First thing I want to do before we get into our baptisms, before we pray, is I want to introduce you guys to our new youth pastor. Is that okay? So, and Jake and Hannah Caps, you want to come up here? Here they come right here. Are you nervous? Just a, no, not at all. He's been helping cook too this morning already. So this is Jake and Hannah Caps, and they are with us starting today. Our new youth pastors for our modified youth group. They are going to do a great job. Truly, they both have a heart for teens and seeing teens come closer to Christ and walking out everything that God has for them. So we are blessed to have them here with us. I am blessed because you just lightened my load by 50%. <laughs> so let's uh, stand this morning. I'm gonna, we're going to pray over them. We're going to pray over the service. And then we're going to get into our baptisms. So after I pray, I just told you to stand because that's the right thing to do, I guess. But after we're done with the ba- uh, praying, you can go ahead and sit down and then I'll have our baptism people kind of line up there where Jenny's at. Just overtake her right there, guys, okay? All right, let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning for the opportunity to be here. And God, I thank you for your presence that we already know is in this place, God. And Lord, right now, I just thank you for Jake and Hannah and their family. And God, the ministry that they're going to bring to Orchardville Church through the Modified Youth Group. God, I thank you for them right now being willing, Father, to come and answer the call that you've placed on their life for our church and our kids in this season, God. And I thank you for them right now. Father, I pray blessing over them, their ministry. God, just as a church, we love them. We appreciate them. We're going to walk beside them and help them any way we can. And we just ask for your, again, your blessing upon them and upon the youth group. And God, that you just work great things in their midst. I thank you for them right now, God. I thank you for this service, this opportunity we have to gather together and worship you. Father, we just lift up your name in this place, knowing you are great and you do great things. And God, we're about to witness changed lives in baptism, God. And we just praise you and we thank you for all that you're doing in our church and in our communities and in our lives. We just thank you for all this. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you, guys. And you guys may be seated if our baptism people would come up. Miss McKenna's got the first one, one of our OC kids. And she's got a mic back here. You can calmly step in there, Clayton. Okay, so it is, these are one of the best days ever, especially as a, as these kids as pastor, because the moment that you get to see it all click and they are like, I want to live for Jesus the rest of my life is one of the most amazing moments and makes this all worth it. And so Clayton, a few weeks ago, we were watching baptisms in here and you could just tell like he was amazed by it and he knew that God was moving and he wanted to be a part of that and he wanted to be a part of helping the next movement of God. So Clayton, do you believe that Jesus is your savior? Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins? Do you promise to live with Jesus in your heart forever? Okay, because of your confession of faith, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You can come right across the front there, Alexis. <laughs> yeah, right in front of everybody. Come on in. This is Miss Alexis, and we we're so proud of her. About a month, maybe five weeks ago, she rededicated her life to the Lord. 
Um, powerful time right here in the altar right here. So I'm, I'm proud of you. And because of your confession of Jesus as your Savior, correct? I'm also going to baptize you in the name of the Father, Jesus, his Son, and the Holy Spirit. Come on in, Jordan. It's Mr. Jordan. Also rededicated his life to the Lord right up there with Alexis and Destiny who's coming next and I'll tell you one thing we need more men of God to step up and be men of God in this world and I'm proud of you for doing that I'm proud of you for rededicating your life to the Lord and your confession as Jesus as your Savior so today I baptize you in the name of the Father Jesus his Son and the Holy Spirit destiny. You're not nervous, are you? A little bit. bit? (laughs) Also very proud of you. And I haven't known these guys very long, but they're consistent and they're faithful. And I love that about them. They rededicated their lives together. All three of them, these three that had just went and they're here in church every week. They're coming to events that we have, so it's great to be plugged in you for you guys to be plugged in with us. And I'm proud of you as well for confessing Jesus as your Savior as you rededicated. So I baptize you in the name of the Father, and Jesus' Son, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Mr. Bo Taylor. Come on over, buddy. Hey, hey, take a seat, buddy. You're getting a little extra today. (laughs) Proud of you. Uh, He had talked about being baptized when he was a young child, but really understands the commitment and responsibility that goes with that relationship with Jesus. And Bo, because of your confession as Jesus as your Savior, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, Jesus, his Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Miss Kylie Rucker, come on down. Amen. You excited and nervous? (laughs) Proud of you as well. Um, She is another one that's talked about. She just started coming here, what? As soon as I came back, as soon as we came back from our thing with Jackson, she was here. I I coached her for a year over at Wayne City, and I appreciate her encouragement and love that she has for our family. And um, she is the same way that she was baptized at a young age and came to understanding that she wanted to rededicate her life to the Lord and make him the Lord of her life and serve him and understands that um, as a young lady now. So because of your faith in Jesus, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Jesus, his Son, and the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Sophie Barrow, come on down. (laughs) 
Sophie is part of our modified youth group, a ray of sunshine in our youth group, a nervous ray of sunshine right now. But I'm proud of you. I really am. For your way you serve the Lord and you're consistently here and you're with us and you love the Lord and you love this church and this youth group and we love you. You understand that, right? Whew. I'm proud of you. And because of your confession as Jesus is your Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father and Jesus' the Son and the Holy Spirit. Miss Jenny. <laughs> it is warm. Also very proud of you. You've been coming here a while. And life isn't always easy. You know that. But when we put our faith in Jesus, we put our faith in God, we have a rock next to us, walking right with us through whatever we're facing. And I'm extremely proud of you for the stand you're taking today uh, to let everybody know, down with my old self, up with the new resurrection in Christ. So because of your faith in Jesus, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Jesus, his Son, and the Holy Spirit. Last but not least, Mr. Fred Borton. I'll let you guys know we had nine today. I'm, I'm kind of OCD about even numbers. I was looking for a tenth. Um, so if there's anybody out here that you haven't been water baptized and you want to make number 10 this morning, we can make it happen. Well, Fred, uh, I'm proud of you. He came and talked to me about being, wanting to be baptized, rebaptized, because he was younger when he was baptized. And with Clayton getting baptized today, his son, I said, absolutely, we can do that for you, Fred. And he's faithful as well. He's here. Anytime the doors are open, he serves. He serves well. He's with us, part of our family. And today, understanding that commitment and relationship with Jesus, he is getting baptized in front of you, the church as witnesses for this. So Fred, because of your confession of faith in Jesus, I baptize you in the name of the Father, Jesus, his Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we're going to Again, congratulate them as the church come by, shake their hand, give them a hug around their neck while our praise team leads us in worship this morning. I, this, one, this first song is a dancing one, I'm telling you right now. So as you're dancing up here, shake their hands, congratulate them. We are so proud of all of them this morning. All right, let's stand, church.
If you walked out of the grave I'm walking to If you walked out of the grave I'm walking to If you walked out of the grave I'm walking to
Shout Jesus from the mountains, Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus.
life before God came into your heart and He changed your life. Never forget what He's done. Man, what an awesome sight this morning to see so many being baptized. Their lives have been changed and transformed. Never forget what He's done. On the way into church this morning, and then all through this morning, I've been just reminiscing about what the Lord has done. And, and sometimes I get so sidetracked, and I'm not thinking about the Lord. How do we do that? All of a sudden, you're just thinking about this, all this junk and this garbage going on in your life. And then, but God, and it's, Lord, I forgot. I forgot why I'm on earth and what, what you've done in my life. I've forgotten. We can't forget that. We've got to work harder. Remember, the Lord is with us all the time. He's changed us. He's transformed us. What he's done was an awesome thing. God, may we look to you more and more and more in every situation of our life, God. The bad times, the good times, the in-between times. Let us not tip the scales to the bad, but tip the scales to the good, to you, to Jesus, our Savior. I thank God for what you've done. Let's thank God for what he's done. Come on, let's give him a round of applause. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done, for what you've done for what you've done. Amen. Amen. What he's done. What he's still going to do. Amen. So thankful for all he's done in my life, my family's life, in this church, the people that make up this church, what he's done. Like Harlan said, sometimes we do get sidetracked, and even down to little things, God has done some great things in our lives, even down to, remember, a popcorn husk in my tooth the other day. What he's done, he takes care of us. And I don't need to remind you that he is the creator of the world, sets the earth spinning on its axis, he created the mountains and the skies and the seas and the animals and the people that make up this, what he's done. So no matter how the elections went for you, God is still in control of all of it. What he's done... There's no politician that has the power that God has. Sorry. What he's done and what he continues to do, it's in his hands, and that's who I trust. Amen. So exciting day today with the baptisms. Still not a tent out there? <coughs> Still not a tent out here? It's going to throw me off a little bit in my head, but we'll make it work. <laughs> um, but again... Just what he's done is such a great thing to be able to be a part of the lives of people where you see God changing things and doing things in their life and the joy that comes out of them because of that. And it's only put there because of Jesus Christ living in their heart. So it's, it's awesome to see the change that happens in people and, again, what he's done in their lives. If you'll get your Bibles out with me, we're going to be talking about Fishing 101. And I bought four new shirts the other day at Sam's because they're cheaper. Hey, I tried that stitch fix thing where they send you some clothes based on your style. I don't really have a style. But I tried it, and they, they charge a lot of money for those shirts. Like one of them was like 80 or 90 bucks. I said, I can get like six of those at Walmart or Sam's. For me. So Sarah said, yeah, you're sending those back, right? I said, yeah, I didn't realize they were that high. So anyway, I bought four of these, and I think they're actually fishing shirts. You guys tell me, fishermen, these have these little flaps and stuff. That you, is that for air and things to get in there? 
I like them, and they're, again, cheap in my budget. So, Anyway, Fishing 101. We're going to start in Matthew 4.19 this morning, and I'm going to read from the Amplified Version. And he said to them, I didn't give you guys a chance to get there, I'm sorry. Matthew 4.19. I know it's on the screen, but it's something about seeing it in the Word for yourself. And Matthew 4.19, again, Amplified Version. And he said to them, follow me. As my disciples, accepting me as your master and teacher and walking the same path of life that I walk. And I will make you fishers of men. Okay? Now, I've not been fishing much in my life. I'm sorry. I don't mind going fishing, but I, it's just never really been my thing. I don't know why. I just, I don't know. I remember going some when I was a little kid and trying it out. I actually even remember just taking some string and putting it around my finger, which probably wasn't the best thing to do, wrapping it a bunch and just tossing some bait out on a hook and catching them like that. Thankfully, they weren't very big to rip my finger off. But I remember doing that. I remember going to my grandma and grandpa's in Tennessee, some and fishing in their pond. And I just, I don't know. It's just never really been my thing. And I know there's a lot of fishermen in our crowd today, and they're really good at it. But really, the only fish I get now are coated in this great batter. <laughs> that George puts on them. <laughs> yeah. Georgie's Southern Fried Fish. If you've never had it, you've got to try it sometime. You're welcome. Okay. So I don't have a lot of knowledge about fishing, but luckily for you guys, I reached out to a few of our guys in the church that are pros at this, or they're trying to become pros, and I've asked them to give us some tips on fishing. You know, what, what it takes to to go fishing, like what do you got to do as you go? What do you have to do while you're fishing? And what happens after you're done fishing? So if you guys would come on up, you're out there. I asked like five and I got three to say yes. So I'm thankful for that. And they dressed apart a little bit today too. So I think one of them won a competition yesterday actually in the snow and wind and all that. So Mitchell, right? Yeah. Come on up on the stage with me. And, and who's going to do the pre-trip talk? Gary is, okay? So I might take a few notes while they're doing this. Maybe not so much for me fishing, but for me to correlate it later on here this morning. But Gary's going to talk about what all you have to do before you go fishing. This is Gary right now. Give him a hand. <laughs> well, a couple things. A lot of people just think fishing is, you know, going out, throwing a fork out there, but way we do it, you know, a little more hardcore into it. So a couple things you got to do, uh, prepare. You have to know what you're fishing for, where you're going to go fishing. Uh, you want to look at the weather forecast. That determines a lot. If it's going to be rainy, cold, hot, sunny, where the fish may be, we'll try to give you an idea where they're located to start with. Um, once you get that, you want to prepare all your equipment. You got a boat, you want to make sure there's gas. Batteries are charged. Uh, make sure you have clothing, whatever conditions there are. Yes, please have clothing. <laughs> Sometimes more than others. Uh, you also have to prepare drinks, snacks. You got to prepare yourself for a long day. I mean, you're going to be out there 10, 12, 14 hours. You got to prepare for a long, hard day. Um, tackle, you got different rods and reels different baits for different situations, um, different lines, everything. 
there's a lot of little specifics go into it. Um, I don't know. So, Gary, as we're preparing to go fishing, do you think anything that you talked about could relate spiritually to what we do as fishers of men, like Jesus was talking about? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things there. Um, whenever you practice, practice fishing, that's, uh, you know, coming to church, say. You know, you're here, um, belonging to the church, you're out there on the water, you're, you know, commingling there and in here. Um, being in the Word, that's you practicing as well. It's kind of like filling up your boat, making sure you're ready that's to go. That's right. Fill it up spiritually, fill up boat, be prepared, ready to go. All right. Dig in for the long haul. Yes, especially when I'm preaching sometimes. <laughs> All right, thank you, Gary. All right, I believe Mitchell's up next, the actual fishing part of this. Yeah. He's got the sweet jersey thing. Everybody laugh or something, I'm nervous. <laughs> I used to be up here all the time. And look at me now, I'm like, you know, I don't know what's wrong with me. Let's laugh again, come on. Everybody laugh. <laughs> so I'm going to talk about presentation. Presentation to fish while you're fishing is extremely important. How you present your bait. Or it's like people. How you present it is, everybody laugh again. You can tell my voice is cracking. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with me. You're good, man. Um, but it's all about how you present the bait and how, if you're not presenting it correctly, like, the fish aren't going to take it. That's the reality of it. And it's the same way with people. Uh, you come across too strong, too soft, they may not take it. It's like crappie. So let's just, uh, since I'm nervous and wanting to walk around, <laughs> Sometimes a fish, you give it to, you know, go down real slow, real soft, and they'll take it. And you can tell on live scope if they're going to take it. That's kind of like your, I would say, your mild people. Then you got your aggressive fish that'll take anything. You know, you lower it down, they're pow, they're going to take it. And then you got the hard-headed people, and those are my favorite fish to catch. <laughs> so, see, I can almost touch you with this right here. Those are the ones that you can lower the bait and literally see them like just not have it sometimes one of the two things is going to happen you can take that bait and literally smack them with it and they're going to either do one of two things they're going to run away or they're going to kind of stroll off and be like oh what was that they're going to come back and take it and those are the ones that are going to take it real hard so i don't really have i feel like i butchered this but it's fine <laughs> um but how you present yourself is key to how, what, what people's reactions are. If they're going to take you serious, if they're going to take you, um, you know, I kind of talked to Rick about this a little bit. You really have to judge the people you're talking to, say you're presenting faith. You really have to know who you're talking to and what it is maybe they're interested in, their attitude, and present yourself accordingly. Right. No, you're good. Thank you, Mitchell. And also Mitch McMean here is going to wrap it up about, you know, we've caught a bunch of fish. These guys have. And we've got them in the boat. Now we're heading in after, you said 12, 14 hours? Short day. That's a short day. <laughs> All right, now what are we going to do? We caught these fish. What are we going to do? Mitch is going to wrap that up for us. I'm talking about what we're going to do afterwards.
come out, come back home, and we'll clean the fish, get the fish ready to eat. And most times, uh, we like to eat with family, friends, or bring people over and socialize with them. Uh, all right. Then you got to unpack everything, clean it all up. <laughs> something's so obviously got to buy something different. Amen. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, they may have been a little nervous, but they know a lot more about fish than I do. And fishing, and I've seen it firsthand from all the pictures and different things they've done. So thank you. And I know we've got a lot of other fishermen in here, but uh, you know how fish stories go. We would never got to the message if, if I asked everybody to come up. So. Again, Matthew 4, 19, and he said to them, follow me as my disciples, accepting me as your master and teacher, and walking the same path of life that I walk, and I will make you fishers of men. And in, in, in this, this passage of scripture here, this is right after Jesus had performed the miracle of telling them, hey, throw your nets to the other side. Go ahead and throw them down one more time. And they're like, well, we just did this all night. We didn't catch anything. And he shows them this miracle, and they catch more fish than they can handle, and they need help with it. But from that, they can sense and feel and witness the passion and love that Jesus is sharing with them. They're seeing it firsthand. They're experiencing it. And as soon as he says, come and follow me, I'll make you fishers of men, they go. Based on that interaction with him. And I, I feel like his... Jesus' eyes would be piercing to people, like just draw you in with love and compassion and, and the caring that he had. I, I think that would just really lock people in. And they, and they go immediately, leaving everything they've ever known, and they immediately go and follow him. And, and as he says this to him, I'm sure that being fishermen that they were, this statement somehow had to be intriguing to them. But, you know, what, what is he even talking about? You know, we've been fishing for fish, and he wants us to fish for men now. So they have to think this, but over the course of the next three and a half years, they understood exactly what he was saying. They understood what it was going to be about and, and this ministry, what it was going to be about. And this word that Jesus spoke to Simon and Andrew is true of us today. He wants you and me to be fishers of men still today and women. Okay, Fishers of men. So how can we be, uh, you know, as, as Christians today, how can we be fishers of men? You know, these guys that came up and shared their expertise with us, uh, they told us what it takes to be successful as a fisherman. But I want to take a few of those things that they mentioned, maybe something that they didn't mention, um, and kind of show you guys spiritually in our lives what it's going to look like to be on mission for God's church, and that is to go and make disciples and to be fishers of men. So, fishers of men, what does that mean? It means we win people to Christ, all right? Are you guys out there winning people to Christ right now? I'm not going to make you raise your hand, okay? 
winning people to Christ. It means to share the gospel and to ask them if they want to receive it. A lot of times we don't do that part. We say, I, I bought them a meal. I was kind to them. I did this for them. I mowed their yard. But you never presented the gospel. You showed the fruit of the Spirit, but you never gave them a chance to make a decision for Jesus. And I think a lot of times as Christians, we think being nice to people is enough when really we need to offer what we have. Kindness is great. Being nice is great. Doing, you know, buying meals for people, all that stuff is great. But there comes a time where you have to say, listen, Jesus died for you. Do you want to accept him as your Savior? And for some reason, that's so hard for us to take that extra little step to be fishers of men. But if we don't ask them, how are they ever going to respond? And the, and the worst they're going to say to you again, I told you guys this, is no. Oh, no, I don't think I can take a no. I get them all the time. It's fine. Okay? The thing is, when we're fishing for men, when you get the yes, I told you guys this before, there's nothing like that in the world to lead somebody to Jesus because you were kind, because you were compassionate, and because you shared the gospel. You went that extra step and you shared the gospel. So, we share the gospel, we ask them if they want to receive it, and yes, that's very basic, but fishers of men are soul winners. So how do we do it? How do we fish for people? Not with that big rod right there. Okay? I'm sure it would work, but it would hurt a lot more. Alright? First thing, we've got to find the people. Just like they have to find the fish. You don't catch fish in a barrel, right? You have to go where the fish are. And this is true of the gospel of Jesus too. You need to go to the people. Go to the people. And there are people all around you in life who don't know Jesus. How many of you know one? One person in your life that doesn't know Jesus. There they are. That's a great place to start, okay? We've got family members. We've got friends that don't know Jesus right now. You've got a neighbor that doesn't know Jesus, coworkers. There are a lot of people in our world today, in our circle of life, that need to hear the gospel. And that is the perfect place to start. You already know these people. The guys talked about pre-fishing. You know, filling up the boat with fuel or spending time on the water before you fish. is kind of like, Gary said, growing your faith in church. You're studying the word. You're serving in ministry. Preparing your equipment for the water. The fuel and the charging your batteries is like praying and seeking God and coming to church so you get fueled up spiritually. Okay? So we got to go to the fish. We got to go to the people. We got to find where they're at. And we know where they're at. Second thing, you got to bait the hook or cast the net. So many times when it comes to sharing the gospel, we don't want to put much effort into it. Okay? Stepping on my own toes. We don't want to put a lot of effort into sharing the gospel with people. Oh, I hope some new people come to church today that need the Lord. It's good to pray, but it's also good to go and do it and invite people to come to share the gospel with people. And a lot of times we quit early on. Now, Gary just said, or Mitch said, 12 to 14 hours on the water, fishing. I can't even imagine. I can't even stand to be on the beach that long. <laughs> Sarah can attest to that. Two hours, I'm good. Let's do something else. Okay. But we quit early on in sharing the gospel with people. We may bait the hook. We may throw it into the water. And if they don't bite right away, it's time to move on to somebody else. And again, I'm not an expert on fishing, but I know one thing. You have to have patience with people. You have to have patience 
to fish. I just said yesterday, I didn't catch anything until the very end. You have to have patience. You can't rush the process of fishing. And again, 12 to 14 hours, if that's typical, I'm really not a fisherman. <laughs> okay? But it's a, it's, a, it's a long time. It's not just a few minutes that we try it. So my point in that is, correlating it to spiritually, is we don't just tell people about the gospel that are in your circle or part of your fishing trip. You also have to live it out in front of them every day. You have to show them who Jesus is inside of you. Okay? And that's the long game. That's the patience part. When we're fishing for people, it can take longer than three or four hours or 12 to 14 hours. It may take three to four months. Where's my brother Aaron? It may take five to six months for me to build a relationship with him and then share the gospel. We talked for at least four to six months, just me and him, me trying to be a friend to him and not even pushing. I wasn't even pushing church on him at all. I just said, I'm here for you all. I want to talk about life. I coached his daughter. That's how we, how we met and started a relationship. Patience. And at the right time, God will let you know. Sometimes it's on a deathbed. Sometimes it's over the course of six months. Now, tell him about me. Tell him about me. And that's all I did. And here's Aaron today. Alcohol, used to be an alcoholic, drug addict, and he's sitting in church. And I love that. And all I did was build relationship. I was a friend to him when he needed a friend. And God did the rest. God did the rest. How many of you guys have done street evangelism before? Like, I have no idea what that is. I mean, just going down the street and talking to people about the gospel. Anybody? Okay, a few. Okay. Um, handing out gospel tracts, care bags, food, or something along those lines. Street ministry to me is actually kind of easier because you go up to people you don't know, you offer Jesus' love and talk to them for a little bit, and then you never see them again. <laughs> Woohoo! So I can go all in on this because I'm sharing Christ and I'm never going to see you. That seems like it'd be a little bit easier to me. And I don't have to engage with them on a regular basis if I'm doing street evangelism, which is a good thing. But this daily engagement for people that you do know in your circle, that takes a while to reel in the fish. It takes a little bit. And this is where patience comes into play, just like you have to be patient when you're looking for fish to catch. People are not only watching your words, they are watching your actions. I know you say you go to church. I know you say it's a great place to be. I know you say Jesus is great, but your actions really stink. And I know people use stink bait, <laughs> but that's really not the kind of bait we're wanting to throw to reach people with the gospel of Jesus. We don't li want our lives to stink when we're claiming or proclaiming something else, all right? Your attitude, how you interact with people, your kindness, your gentleness, your patience, your love, these are things that will bait the hook and draw people to you. You are the bait. You are the bait as we're trying to be fishers of men. Gary Reitner also told me this when we were texting back and forth with this. As with a fish going after the bait, we want to be the bait that others want and be the bait that shows them we have Jesus and that they need him too. He said, I'm a, if I'm a faded, scratched up bait that doesn't run straight, no fish is going to want me. 
Or am I living a godly life that is a blessing and enticing others to want a life like that too? Think about this this morning. A person is influenced by you usually before they're influenced by Christ. As believers, a person is influenced by you before they're influenced by Christ. What kind of influence are you having? How are you doing in that? A person is lured by you before they are lured by Christ. And not all the time, but something to think hard about is that this is happening. Just like the lure catches the eye of a fish, you open the door to sharing Jesus with them because you make Jesus look attractive to them. I want what you have. You're a believer. You walk it out. You live it out. You've been through all kinds of stuff, yet you haven't wavered in your faith. I want that. I need that hope. I love that you're a believer, and I love how you treat me. How can I meet this Jesus? Be the bait. Third thing, and this is simple, but sometimes we mess it up. Catch them first, then clean them. I've run into a lot of people who think they have to get their life together before they can even walk in the doors of a church because it's going to collapse on them if they haven't. Still hasn't. Okay? Catch the fish first, then clean them. Um, We see so many people trying to clean up first before they come to Jesus and before he even captures their heart. And part of that is, is we as believers shouldn't be surprised at how unsaved people act. You were the same way before the Lord transformed your heart and your mind. Don't be shocked because they're acting like unsaved people. All right? We want the best for them, but don't be surprised by things they may be doing, uh, things they may be involved in. What really surprises me is when proclaiming believers act the same as the world does. That's what kind of shocks me sometimes, because we're supposed to be different. We're supposed to be set apart. Just throw that out there. Um, Again, you couldn't do it without Jesus. They can't either. Stop expecting them to. Stop expecting them to get cleaned up before they get caught up by the Savior. When people are controlled by their sinful nature, they're going to do what their sinful nature desires. Again, we did the same thing before the love of Jesus changed us. In the world, not of it. Love people through this process and realize that change, the cleaning will come when they believe on Jesus and make him the Lord of their life. All right, the last thing, cast the net and don't worry about how many you catch. I know that's hard to do as a fisherman. I mean, you want to catch stuff. We try to be fishermen. Here's, here's one thing that we struggle with. We worry too much about the results as we're trying to get people saved. We worry so much about, oh, I failed again. I didn't get them saved. And I want to help you this morning with that burden if you carry that. Like, I've tried and I've tried and I've tried. There's nowhere in the Bible that I've seen where it says you are responsible for getting people saved. Jesus did that. The Holy Spirit draws them to Jesus. Okay, so get that off your conscience. Get that burden off of you. You are not responsible for getting people saved. I don't know if you're hearing me on that. You don't have that kind of power. 
You don't. Holy Spirit, again, draws them in, convicts them, and Jesus does the saving. We're just responsible for sharing the gospel. Don't beat yourself up if they don't take it. There's nothing else you can do to get them saved. Just share the gospel of Jesus. 1 Corinthians 3, 6 through 9. Let's go there real quick. Just about finished. 1 Corinthians 3, 6 through 9. NLT is what I'll be in. I planted the seed in your hearts, and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose, and both will be rewarded for their own hard work. For we are both God's workers, and you are God's field, you are God's building. What that means for me is I may go and share the gospel with somebody and think I did an okay job with it. I might be the one that's watering the seed and somebody else is going to come along and harvest that. That's fine. That's good. Because God's the one that brings the increase. I don't have to go around with this burden. I might be the one that gets to harvest. Like somebody may come up to the altar today and says, I want Jesus. But it was because somebody else watered the seed before me. God brings the increase. It's the Holy Spirit that draws them to himself. Some will plant, some will water, but God brings that increase. It's God who draws people to himself. And he utilizes us as vehicles, as the lures to plant and water. And God will reward you for simply doing your part. Gary, Mitch, and Mitchell, you guys have any control over how many fish you catch? Where'd I go? You have any control over that? Same's true with the gospel. As we go out to be fishers of men and we share the gospel, do not worry about how many get saved. You don't have control over that. Worry about how many times you're throwing your bait out there. You're throwing the lure out there for people. Jesus wants us to focus on sharing the gospel. Throw it out there. Live it out. You won't catch anything if you don't throw it out there. If you just go every day, every single week, and you never share the gospel, you'll never catch anything. It's that simple. You have to share the gospel. Our praise team would come back up. One last thing as I close this up this morning, and this is one part of sharing the gospel that, that really has nothing to do with fishing. But as fishers of men, we have one thing that's different from fishing for fish. And, and if I ask Gary and Mitch and Mitchell this again, you know, we, what's different is we need to ask people to make a decision. We have to do that. You've laid it out there. You've talked to them. You've told them about Jesus. You told them that Jesus died on the cross for their sins, that they don't have to live separated. They don't have to spend eternity in hell because of what God sent Jesus to do for us. Now I can have eternity in heaven and my sins can be forgiven. I've laid it all out there. Now I need to ask them to make a decision. Don't stop before you ask them to make a decision. Those guys that fish, they don't ask the fish to get in the net or grab the hook. Jump in my boat. We have to ask. We ha hey, do you want to make that decision for Jesus today? You want to make Jesus the Lord of your life?
ask people to respond to it. You guys will stand this morning. In Acts 2, I want to just share this scripture as I close. Verse 40 and 41, Peter stood up and he preached it like this with the first gospel sermon. And he said, with many other words, he warned them and he, and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Still true today. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. And the word pleaded, as you study that, can also mean invited. He invited them to make a decision. He was asking, he was pleading, he was begging for people to have a response to the gospel. We're not done sharing until we ask them to make a decision. We're not finished. Mitch said something about the very end. And at the very end, you know God can save somebody on their deathbed? All the way up until the very end. Don't give up. Don't give up. Share the gospel. Have them make a decision for Jesus. This is how we become fishers of men. And I think a lot of times we, we lack the patience. We lack the effort. We lack the love that as the bait that we should be showing for people. And we lack asking people to make the decision. We're afraid of a no, a simple no. But I tell you this morning, what if they say yes? Yes. Yes, I want Jesus then you've just assured somebody eternity in heaven and not eternal damnation in hell. Hell's a real place, church. It's real. And people are going to suffer and they're going to be tormented and it's never going to stop. And we can't get a little bit of courage mustered up inside of us to say, will you accept Jesus? Because you don't have to spend eternity there. You can spend it with him and all the other saints. So bow your heads this morning. Heaven's real. Hell is real. When we pass away, it's one of two places for us. So this morning, I'm pleading, I'm begging, I'm, I'm just like we read in the scripture, I'm asking, I'm throwing it out there. For anybody here this morning, you don't know the Lord as your Savior. You don't know Jesus. And again, I'll give you the quick version that you were born into sin. You were born into this world a sinner. We all are. We all sin. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Okay? All of us. And if that's the way the world was going to be, then we'd all be spending eternity in hell. But God had a plan. God said, I'm going to send my son Jesus, my one and only son Jesus, to die for you. He's going to walk this earth and live a perfect life, a spotless lamb, and he's going to die for your sins on the cross. An innocent man is going to die for you because God loves you that much and wants to spend eternity with you. So Jesus dies on the cross. You're forgiven of your sins, and death couldn't keep him in the grave. He's resurrected, ascends back into heaven, leaves us the power of the Holy Spirit, which is what's drawing your heart right now to have Jesus in your life. So Father, right now, I just pray 
I plead right now with anybody in here that does not know you as their Savior, that they would come to this altar this morning, God, not wait. We are not guaranteed another minute on this earth. They would come down, Father, and believe on you that you are who you say you are. And they would dedicate their life to following you. Father, I throw that out there this morning. I throw it out there. And Father, we want to reel them in to your love, to your saving grace. In Jesus' name, amen. If that's you this morning, please come. Or you've walked away from the Lord, you want to come back to him. Your prodigal son and daughter, you want to come back to the Lord this morning, please come. Let us know. we got some people that will pray with you. I'll pray with you. If you need healing in your body, whatever it is this morning, these altars are open as we worship.
walk around right now in life defeated, beat down, oppressed, depressed. That's not the life that God has for you. I know because I was that person at one time and God set me free. I had to understand what surrender was, all of it complete, and I had to understand who I was in him and what authority came with that, that I don't have to listen to the lies of the enemy anymore because I'm a child of God, that I don't have to go to sleep crying and down and depressed because I have the joy of the Lord as my strength. Once I began to understand those things, it changed the way I thought. He transformed my mind. I'm letting you know this morning, those of you that are in here, and I know you're in here, that God has something better for you. He has something better for you. And you can have freedom from all those thoughts and all those lies that the enemy's throwing at you every single day. You might put on that mask and, and act like you're okay in front of all the other people, but you and God know. You and God know when you lay down at night, all the tears that are cried on your pillow, you and God know what you're dealing with so I just want to encourage you to completely surrender it I'm not going to make you come up today but you can talk to me this week if that's you I just felt that in my spirit this morning that we we need to speak that and you need to speak life over your life because you are his son you are his daughter and he loves you he loves you and wants to give you freedom amen amen you may be seated for just one minute literally it's a minute but we want to close out this morning and Veterans Day was Friday and we don't want to to conclude our service without recognizing them and appreciating them and again I told you guys even if you didn't sign up you are a veteran your family's here with you please please we have plenty of food in the basement for you okay down in the basement fellowship hall please after church make your way down there Um, you'll see all the kids. They want to serve you. They want to appreciate you, okay? So please stick around for that. Bring your family down for it. Uh, We're going to show a video right now, and then right after that, I'm going to call up our veterans so we can appreciate them this morning. If you go ahead and roll that video. we can have all of our veterans can you please come up to the front here right across the front of the stage all of our veterans in the house this morning come on up come on up appreciate you guys very much and your service and the sacrifice for your country, for us, for your families and the time that you served. Uh, We just want to say we love you guys very much, appreciate you. We want to thank you guys by having that dinner downstairs for you if you'll stick around for that. 
I'm going to go ahead and go through, shake their hands. If anybody else wants to join me, you can do that. We appreciate you guys. You're not dismissed. You are sent. sent.